from Relay FM, this is virtual episode number 47. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Fittigi. Good morning, Mike. How are you? You sound tired, very... Federico. Are you okay? It's. I'm still, I told you, I'm still waiting for, for espresso to enter my bloodstream. Mm. It's very early in the morning for me. I mean, it's 1 p.m. here, but it's basically like 6, 6 a.m., 7 a.m. for me. Because of the time zone difference that I live on, yep, yep. So it's, I you're pretty much the me, same. You're catching me in my in my uh, time zone affected morning. Yeah, I take a very very long time to to wake up. Oh yeah. yeah. What what do you do? What do you do when you wake up? Well, this because morning you don't you don't drink espresso. So no, I'm curious. But I do drink coffee, mm. but I drink it with milk. Oh, you know. Okay. So I make like um, I make my coffee via an AeroPress, which makes espresso mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. in an interesting way, and then I mm. add coffee to it. What do you mean you add coffee? Oh, uh, so I add milk to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I add more coffee. I just keep putting coffee on. <laughs> Why? It's more coffee. Mm. So you just you don't eat before drinking coffee. I have cereal whilst drinking my coffee. Mm. Mm, okay, so like, I have them together. Yeah, we, we're not too different then. It's just I have an espresso. I also eat cereal, but I I have espresso instead of the AeroPress. Uh, but we're actually pretty similar. I thought you were you were one of those people eating bacon as soon as you wake up. No, no, uh, or not eggs. a lot of people do that. <laughs> I I sometimes will treat myself to bacon, but if I do that. Um, that is breakfast and lunch if I do that. So like I eat at like brunch time, you know, so I might wait a little bit later on those days and then I eat breakfast and lunch together, basically. Yeah, Yeah, apparently we talked about this before. A lot of people, it's perfectly normal to just wake up, wait like 15 minutes and start eating like sausages and eggs or bacon, you know. In Italy, it's just crazy. But, um... I'm happy that you drink espresso. Uh, I mean, coffee, Mike. Yeah. I mean, it is espresso, but the espresso would be too strong for me. Because uh, plus I make more espresso than you would make. Um, because yeah. I'm adding milk to it. Did you know? Did I tell you that my espresso, my espresso machine broke down? So it's a, it's, we, we took it to, to, to a shop to, to fix it. And last week I needed to drink my coffee... Uh, with the with the mocha. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I was very much suffering, Mike. It's very difficult for me to switch from uh, from from the espresso to the mocha coffee. It's a uh, when you say it, it's like a mocha pot, right? You use the little yes, pot that you put on the stove. Yeah, it's the yeah. standard standard Italian mocha pot. They're so difficult. Like when you compare it to something like a maker, you know, like the, oh, the amount of work so you have difficult. to do. Really, it's difficult for you. Well, I, I mean, it's not. Putting it under the thing and pressing a button, which is you know in the morning there is a there is a beauty in that. I mean, I make mine like I get the beans and well, I I, I have that's subs- difficult. Yeah, see, I subscribe to I I make my coffee in two different ways. Like I mm-hmm. either sometimes I'll have beans that I grind. I have a a, a hand grinder called a Hario. Nice. Um, and but sometimes I well most most days. I drink coffee that comes to me via the service called Pact, um, where yeah. every week they send me a Ziploc bag of ground coffee. 
And I just add that into my AeroPress and make it that way. That sounds great. I should I should check check out one of these services in Italy. I mean, because uh, Tongs, you it's now it is now Blue, Blue Bottle. Bottle. Yeah, I'm I'm just waiting for them to start their UK distribution, which I believe that they are going to do because Blue Bottle coffee is my favorite coffee in the world. Yeah. And you've had yeah. some, right? And you liked it, yes. didn't you? Yes. Yes, I went there with um, in March when I was in San Francisco. I went there with Matthew Panzarino. Was see. that March? Wow, yeah, it was March, March, March nine. Yeah, wow. Time is crazy, Mike. Um, Michael, mm-hmm. it's time we discuss the video games. Yeah, all the probably, video games. This is not. This is not coffee. This is not the coffee. This show. is not the coffee show. But we we did have some coffee. Let's say we it was some coffee follow up. Wasn't really follow up. We were following up on our coffee that we'd had in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Did you know, Mike, that in Brazil, the Sega Master System, Sega Master System is still one of the top selling consoles? I saw this in the links and it seems so ridiculous to me. Why is this happening? I mean, obviously it's because of cost, but it's just still madness. Like, this is the one. This is crazy. This is such such a crazy story. Basically, many years ago, Sega and this local company called Tectoy, they made an an arrangement, they made a deal. Tectoy would handle distribution for the master system, which is called the Genesis, I believe, in in, in the US. Um, They would handle distribution of the master system. And the problem is, or the problem, actually, the, the (laughs) the big advantage for Tectoy is that the deal didn't end. And because of the crazy taxes that there are in Brazil for importing modern electronics, such as the PlayStation or the iPhone or the iPad, um, this console locally produced in Brazil by Tectoy is very cheap. Uh, Apparently, it's between the equivalent of 50 and 80 American dollars. And it comes with over 100 built-in games. So it's basically a modified master system with the Tectoy brand on top of it. And inside, there's like a, a, like there's games on the flash storage of the console. And even today, so in 2015, Tectoy manages to move over 100,000 um, master systems each year. Because they're very cheap, you can buy them at the the uh, Brazilian Walmart, I believe. Uh, it comes with all these games, and what's even crazier is that every once in a while, at least until a few years ago, they still managed to make new games for the Master System. So they they, they kind of update the console still. So in 2015, with the PlayStation 4, with the Xbox One, with all these other crazy consoles, because the taxes are crazy in in, in Brazil, and they, you know, it, they're very much expensive compared to compared to what we pay for modern consoles or you know smartphones and tablets. People are still buying this tech toy master system with all these games on pre-installed. And this is there's a there's this article at this website you will you will find it in the show notes. Such a crazy story. Such a, such a weird difference, right? It's like Brazil is is stuck in a, in an alternate reality. Yep. <laughs> when it comes to to Sega, I mean Sega's not doing well. You know, we've talked about this before. So fascinating. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
it doesn't make sense to us, but I guess if you try to understand the reasons, it makes sense for Brazil. It's just so, so strange. Uh, kind of wish we, we... I wonder if we have Brazilian listeners uh, that can show us maybe pictures of tech toy or maybe games. I don't know. If you, if, you, if you live in Brazil and you happen to listen to virtual, let us know on Twitter or send an email to Mike yeah. uh, about the tech toy master yeah, system. You should do that. So the big news this week, Michael, is the announcement for Dragon Quest XI. It's coming mm. to PlayStation 4, coming to 3DS, and apparently it's also coming to the <laughs> Nintendo NX. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let, let's, let's uh, break down this announcement step by step. <laughs> Who so, made Dragon Quest? To, uh, Square Enix. Okay. Okay. So the day before the announcement, uh, the logo leaked on Twitter. And a lot of people started speculating on Dragon Quest XI. A lot of people said, oh, we're going to be disappointed by Square Enix because they, they, cannot, they cannot do anything right lately. But instead, we got a real announcement of a real full Dragon Quest game. And it looks great on PlayStation 4. It uses the Unreal Engine. It looks very much Unreal-ish in the way, you know, some colors, some textures. But it, it's also quite colorful. Uh, it's in 3D, you can explore the world, very nice graphics, the usual character design by inspired by, or made by, I don't know, by Akira Toriyama, which is, you know, the author of Dragon Ball and other, and other uh, series. And it's also coming to 3DS. And what's what some people got wrong is, on the 3DS, you see 3D graphics on the top screen and 2D graphics on the bottom screen uh, at the same time. So they show the game, the first one of the first stages of the game. You see the same game in two different perspectives. So you see a modern 3D Dragon Quest at the top and a kind of an old school 2D top down. Genius. Uh, genius. The problem, the problem, Mike. This is genius, and this is what I told you. This is genius. You use these two perspectives to kind of use the bottom screen as a map, but also as a real game. The problem is. It's not gonna be simultaneous all the time. I think based on... I saw this link going around on Twitter yesterday. But apparently you will be able to switch between 3D and 2D whenever you want. It's just not gonna be simultaneous all the time. So you can... I don't know why, but you should be able to switch from the 3D perspective to the 2D one. So it's kind of like um, like Zelda A Link Between Worlds on the 3DS, only more of it. Like in, in the 3DS Zelda, there's these two perspectives, the top-down and the 3D when you become a painting. So it's kind of like that, only done better maybe because it's real 2D and real 3D. Whereas Zelda uses the weird two and a half D kind of perspective from the top down, and it's a genius idea. I wonder why they want to use it. I wonder how they will use it. I wonder if it's just a nice thing to have for like nostalgia and that kind of stuff, or if there's a real game mechanic behind it. I don't know. Still, so PS4, 3DS, and now some context. Dragon Quest is especially huge in Japan, and. It's quite popular in the West as well, especially after the release of Dragon Quest VIII on the PlayStation 2. I remember it was a huge release back in the PS2 days. Even my friends bought Dragon Quest VIII. 
And Dragon Quest VIII, I believe it's also available now on the iPhone. And I'm not sure, but I believe that the Dragon Quest VIII remake on the iPhone can only be played in portrait mode, which is crazy. Um, anyway, Dragon Quest XI, it's also coming to the Nintendo NX. <laughs> Apparently, Square Enix kind of said, and then the press release was different, and then maybe some Nintendo people kind of tried to, to hide the announcement. But Square Enix said, we're also working for DNX, which is the next Nintendo console. And that's all we got. Which this is strange, right? It just doesn't make sense. It's a, it's a, it's a weird thing to say, especially when Nintendo hasn't said anything about DNX. I wonder if they they had permission to talk about the. I feel DNX. like you, they wouldn't. Yeah, because it seems like that they're not. Like, why would they be able to talk about it? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me that they would be able to, to talk about it. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder if still this is kind of suggesting that we're gonna hear more about DNX very, very soon. Within the next six months, maybe. Maybe. I wonder if this is the case. Because if this is true, is it so crazy? I mean, it is crazy to to think that by the next holiday season, so not this year, but next year, we will have a new Nintendo console. I think that's a a definite. You think so? Oh, 100%. Holiday season 2016, we're going to have DNX. Yeah. Hmm. I was thinking more 2017, but maybe you're right. Maybe Nintendo too long. to do something. It's yeah, too it's long. too long. It's too long. It's two years. Maybe it's too much. We'll see. We'll see, Mike. Uh, speaking of Nintendo, I believe we, we have a Splatoon update. Let me just go back to the NX a second. Yeah, sure. Because I just think that like it has to be next next year because... They're holding games now. Hmm. But there's Zelda coming up next year. Who oh, said that? Gonna... Well, yeah. <laughs> it was, right. right? But I saw something the other day. Uh, hmm. I saw somebody tweeting about this. Nintendo had their like uh, release schedule, like they updated their release schedule, and Zelda is now to be is now TBD. Like that's hmm. what they're officially just the release schedule for. Zelda is to be determined. That is 100% an NX launch game now. If that's the case, this is really going to be one of those one of those GameCube Wii kind of transition with Zelda being available on both the GameCube and the Wii. I expect it, we'll start to hear details about the NX before the end of the year. That would make sense, right? Because if even Square Enix is going around and say we're making games for DNX, they must have some internal knowledge about yeah. the console. Oh, the, oh, they're one hundred percent. They have a. They have. They must At have hardware. Or some early specifications. So, when is Dragon Quest Eleven coming out? Not sure. I want to say next year in Japan. Right, because you'd expect but, um, that whenever this comes out, it wouldn't be far away that the NX would be available, right? Because why else would they be developing Eleven for it? They'd just develop Twelve. It's TBA, the release date. So but it's got to be within the next 12 months, right? Because they're showing it now. Yeah, the, it, it looks very, very in the... In, not in the early stages. 
It looks complex. like mid to late stages of development. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know, but it. it I do believe we're gonna. We're. I was not thinking about the NX until a 2017 product, but now that even Square Enix is saying these kind of things, and Nintendo, you know, at E3 they said the NX is gonna be a console. It looks like it. You know, the rumors are kind of picking up. So we'll see. It makes sense. I mean, the we we saw with E3. There's really how many Wii U games? <laughs> not many. Not many. At least not many big titles for the Nintendo Wii U. are definitely putting resources into the new platform. Yeah, in, in my so. opinion, which would suggest that it is. It's not far away. More, more importantly than anything, Nintendo can't, surely cannot support um, another holiday season on the Wii U hardware. Mm-hmm. From like a bus- from like a business perspective, and we're going to talk about their earnings in a bit. There's no way they could go another holiday season at this point. Yeah, and if if the NX is coming out next year, it would mean that the Wii U was a four-year console. Seems unusual. Well, I mean, but the, maybe the GameCube lasted four to five years, also maybe more. I don't know. Four years for a new console seemed like seemed like a short span, you know. Yeah, it wasn't massively new though. I don't know. It, it, it makes sense. There's the Wii U. It's a great console with many great games, but Nintendo needs to do something new. Really new. Let's say that the, maybe the the Wii U in the I don't know ten years twenty years from now will be seen as kind of uh, a half console in between the Wii and whatever's next. I I you hope know? that it's a, just we look at it as a building phase. Probably, it depends on whatever what they're gonna keep from the Wii U. You know, like if it can yeah. be a lesson for the next console. I don't know, maybe the two screens, or maybe... I don't know, what do you want to keep from the Wii U? Uh, I think that's it. NFC? <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I mean, well, for sure. Amiibo is a, you know... Amiibo is going to stay. Uh, but yeah, maybe it'll be it'll be a building phase. The Wii couldn't last uh, four extra years. Nintendo needed a new console. Still, they managed to sell 10 million units. They're probably going to achieve 12 to 15 million units eventually. So it's not too bad, right? I mean, it's bad when you compare that to what kind of numbers the PS4 and the Xbox One will achieve. But it's not a terrible well, flop. The PlayStation did 10 million units by the holiday season in which it was announced. Yes, yes. So it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. I'm no, trying it's to bad. It's bad find a positive spin I know you here. are, but the Wii U is a is a is a uh, commercial it's a, failure. It's a commercial failure. No, but let's let, we're going to talk about this again in a minute. So let's yes. let's talk about the Splatoon update. So what's new in Splatoon? What's coming? A ton of stuff, right? So hidden behind, well, not hidden, but one of the things about this, this like this press release and stuff that Nintendo have, have put out, what a lot of people aren't really getting as such is that whilst this is a big update for Splatoon, there have already there's already been and like this amount of updates already in the game's life. Like every couple of weeks, they're bringing new games, uh, new weapons, and different 
maps and stuff like that. Like it is pretty good the way the Nintendo is supporting Splatoon. Like they're they're constantly bringing in new content. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this big, they're they're basically this is the biggest update that they're doing all at once because they're bringing a couple of different weapons classes um, and a couple of different uh, game modes. So squad battle and private battle, matchmaking stuff. So in squad, it's basically about playing with friends, really. So in squad battle, you play against other people, but you choose the like you choose who's on your team. So, like, me and you, for example, would be on the same team and we'd play together. Or then in private battle, you can play within your friends. So, at the moment, these modes don't exist. Uh, There isn't really a lot of, like, playing with friends online stuff. But that's the two new modes that are coming to Splatoon. As well as a bunch of different items, like clothing items, which will give special abilities, and some new weapons classes as well. Nice. They're serious about this game. They are very serious about yeah. it. The new maps are coming on. I mean, to be fair, it only launched with two maps. So <laughs> they didn't start from a great perspective. But I think that that was the right thing to do, the way that they did it, because then they just, over the time, they've just been putting more and more content in, which looks way better than here is all of it. Because it's all free stuff. It's all free content as well. So they're adding new weapons, they're adding new maps, and they're adding new gameplay modes. I think it's a, a, a sound strategy because it makes it look like... I mean, that's what it is, but it makes it look like Nintendo are committed to it. Do you think we're going to have like more Splatoon in the future? Like, not yeah. DLCs or updates. There'll be Splatoon 2 and 3. This, th- th- this is... This is a type of game Nintendo really needs, and they did a good job of it. I mean, people seem to really like it, and it sold quite well. It sold like 1.5 million copies or something like that, I read. Mm-hmm. Which is good that's... for Nintendo. I mean, it's good. you've got 10% of your base of playing it, so that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a pretty good debut for, for a new franchise. Yeah, I agree. Can find that. Splatoon sales numbers. I believe it's 1.6 million units. I'm in not June, sure why I... yeah, in June it beat okay. one million. So, I'm yeah, it's looking at very article. good numbers. It is For good. Sure. I mean, because the game's fun. I haven't played it in a few weeks, um, just because I've had other big games to play. Like I, I beat Batman. That was my mm-hmm. big thing. But uh, I plan to go back to Splatoon because I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, me too. I got, I still gotta start playing Splatoon. Did you buy it's it? Been... Yeah, it's been on my on my Wii U. I didn't know you did that. I, oh, so we can play together then soon, which will be fun. Yes, I bought it on day one. I just huh. never got to start the game because I was busy finishing other games. I pre-ordered Mario Maker with the Amiibo. Yeah, I'm still not sure what to do. Yeah, I pre-ordered it. Because uh, I just saw people... Like, you mentioned it to me, and I looked on the Nintendo store, my, my one-stop shop, and it was sold out. So I went immediately to Amazon and pre-ordered the the pack with the oh yeah with the amiibo cuz i was worried that it was going to sell out see how terrible i am uh so <laughs> i want it so i've i've purchased that so that that's how many me. how many amiibo do you have right now uh i have 3 3 okay. so this will be my fourth could be could be a lot worse oh yeah yes I try to keep myself in check when it comes to wishing for more toys to have mm-hmm. around the house, you know. So this comes out on the 11th of September, so it's a couple of weeks away. So I've got the pack that has the game, the book, and the 8-bit Amiibo, the classic one. 
So nice. So. You got to get the one with the book because that's like. I don't know. That is your thing, man. That is. Big hardbound book of Mario artwork. Like, Uh, they basically made that for you. When you make it sound like that, you you have a point. You should probably call my friend these days that I'm in Viterbo. And how much does it cost? So I got the whole pack for £50, which is mm. pretty good, I think. Yes, yeah. Because I don't feel like this is a £50 video game. I feel like it's maybe more on the 25 to £30 mark because it doesn't feel like a full game, really. I mean, I'll see, yeah. but it just doesn't. But getting it with this whole set, it, that feels like a decent value for money for me because I get a nice book and an amiibo. Because I'd pay five, like 5 to £10 for the amiibo, maybe 15 to £20 for the book. So it kind of all works out. For me, anyway. We'll see. We'll see, Mike. Should we take a break? Yes. This week's episode of Virtual is brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you no longer have to be stuck at your desk to get your work done. You're able to manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting. You can share status updates from your phone as you're leaving a client's site, and you can access the latest version of your files from home. You can even do this in your pajamas, and nobody will know. These days, everything is mobile, and Igloo allows your work to be mobile, too. If you've ever looked at your current intranet product and thought, whoever designed this must hate my eyes because they They've made it look so ugly. These days are over because Igloo allows you to make your internet feel like a place you actually want to be in. It's surprisingly configurable. You can completely rebrand it to give it the look and feel of your team. And thanks to group spaces and role-based access permissions, you can create team areas with their easy drag and drop widget editor so you're able to reorganize the whole platform to fit exactly how specific teams in your organization work. These days, people are bringing in their own outside apps into companies and they're basically putting sensitive documents into them and they're getting scattered across different platforms like Box, Google Drive and Dropbox, for example. But with Igloo, you can integrate all of these services into their one big, easy to secure platform. And also, you can share files with your coworkers right within Igloo for you all to collaborate on. You can track who has read them with read receipts. And this can be super useful for making sure that that critical information has been seen by everyone, keeping everybody on the same page. It's time to break away from the internet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now and you can try it out for free for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash virtual. Thank you so much to Igloo for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So we're going to talk about these Nintendo numbers. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo reported the best quarter since 2012. Um, they had their earnings for what it's like. Uh, this is Q, Q2, second quarter maybe of the year. I never understand how quarters work. Um, yeah, don't Anyway. Me. You you did work in in a big corporate company. Yeah, but I never was involved in this kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Because so, like different anyway. companies announced the difference. So this was actually Nintendo's Q1. And like, for example, Q1. Apple just did oh. their Q3. Like yes. the, each company sets their own quarter, their own financial year, I think. Or maybe it's done by different countries. I don't know, man. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Platoon and Amiibo helped uh, generate a profit... So profit of nine million. Man, whoever and came up with Amiibo must have got a huge bonus. Yes, because yes, because it's it's actually keeping Nintendo afloat. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the talk about the right idea at the right time when you don't have. So it's it's genius on so many levels. 
you can leverage all these characters and brands that Nintendo has built over the years. You can use the NFC built into the Wii U and the new 3DS and make an accessory for the old 3DS. You can update all of these games to introduce support for Amiibo. You can have cross-game compatibility for Amiibo figurines. You can use the collector's effect on people to make people want this Amiibo. You can create limited editions to ask people for more money. This is a, a very good strategy. Whoever came up with it, it's a very good strategy. Yep. And it's working because they're making money. And because you you look at each new big game release from Nintendo, they have an Amiibo. Yeah, they but look at what I just option. did. I gave them extra money for it. So, right, you're able to inc- like to tack on like an extra 25% of the game sticker price yes. every time by including a toy that costs a couple of cents to make. Yes. Very and smart. They're, they're doing partnerships, for instance, with Skylanders. So they're trying to... They're doing Amiibo cards, I believe, later this year. That for comes with Crossing. the... Uh, yeah, with the Animal Crossing yeah. game. So Which they're I gonna... saw... This is what this is how Nintendo just shoots themselves in the foot with their marketing. So like I was seeing like a like a a reader, like a an NFC reader. I'm like, why do you need an NFC reader? Because it's like for Nintendo 3DS, and I'm like, I don't yeah. understand. But then realized that they're selling a, a reader for the old 3DSs. Yeah, yeah. but it's like because... you, you just make it more confusing by doing this. Yeah, but the other 3DS doesn't have NFC. No, I know why they're doing it, but like it's the naming thing, right? By just calling the product new 3DS, it says on the box the uh, Nintendo 3DS, and it's like you know, it just it makes it very confusing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the branding in the 3DS and the Wii U era was not a was not at the top of its game at Nintendo. Yeah, they need <laughs> the something new in marketing. I think <laughs> the marketing department was not doing well <laughs> in this in this past few years. Um, I wonder if they will change these people. Uh, still, uh, the crazy part from these earnings, besides the fact that these numbers, if you're used to the kind of Apple, Google, Facebook kind of tech earnings, the numbers are very different because it's we're talking in, talking in millions, not billions with a B. Uh, this is nothing compared to Apple or Google, what they make in a quarter. Um, still, Nintendo is sticking to... 400 million in profit yeah. for this fiscal year. Isn't this crazy, Mike? I mean, if they make 9 million in a quarter, how can they make 500 in a year? 400 in a year. So this is Q1, right? Yes. So they are saying that by the end of this year, they will have made another, what, 300 and... Yes, three hundred and ninety million. Ninety-one. Yes, doesn't see. This is my this is my thing right now. <laughs> I don't much. understand, like how they can believe this. Looking at their current schedule that we know, which is why something is going to happen in the next twelve months. Because these people aren't stupid, right? They're not stupid. If they this is the games they have, they've just released their biggest game, Splatoon. Right, and it's made them a million dollars or whatever. Where is the rest coming from? So I'm gonna. This is the the only theory that I have. If the mobile games come out for 
during this fiscal year, which I believe they will, I can tell you that the makers of Clash of Clans, Supercell, in March, they posted annual revenues of one and a half billion euros. Yeah. So this makes sense. That is that is a good theory because they are saying mobile games coming in 2016, right? Which, yeah. and if you look at where we are now, that probably gives them about three to four months if they release it really early in 2016. Yes. That gives them maybe three to four months to make like $350 million, which looking at other companies that do this it's is possible. very possible. But that depends though, right? Because Clash of Clans makes their money with the scammy IAP stuff. Not scammy, yeah. but you know, like the... No, they are scammy. They're I mean, scammy. They're, not, they're not ripping you off. Like no. they're, they're just doing things that are a bit like... Meh. and They're using parts of your brain. They make yeah, you psychology spend stuff. Money. Yes. So, I mean, they, Nintendo have kind of said that they don't want to do it. I don't know. But the thing is, the market's so massive, if they sold a game for like for a dollar or if they were free and you could buy stuff in the games but it's not like crazy buy gems that kind of deal although it probably will be but let's just say it's not they could still make millions and millions hundreds of millions on on, uh, this on is, iphone this is and the, android the only theory they they must believe that because clearly with the 3ds and the wii u they're not making this sort of money so There's no way on the current hardware. There's nothing no, that they can release no. now that can get them the money because they don't no. have the amount of consoles out there. No, and plus, even if they did have some big games, they're not going to make $400 million in profit. That's just crazy. So the, because the, all of this money is happening on the, on the app stores, they must believe that whatever it is they're building with free-to-play, that they have a model that will help them make this kind of money. And it must be in-app purchases for sure, because I struggle to believe, unless you're Minecraft, I struggle to believe that so many people are going to buy a paid game on the App Store. So it's not impossible to make this kind of money for free-to-play. We've seen many companies do this before. So this is my only theory. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know how many, if it's going to be a success right away whatever Nintendo and Dina do on the App Store, or if it'll take a few months to take off. It's not unusual for these kinds of games to become popular over five to six months and then just start crushing these kind of numbers. But I wonder if Nintendo said before, we don't want to do this kind of, you know, scammy free-to-play kind of video ads or, uh, you know, you got to wait to play a game. I don't know if they really want or don't want to do this but still this is the only theory that we got because obviously the 3ds and the wii u are not gonna move these kind of numbers so must be mobile games or it's be. It's some be. guy some guy in the in the in the financial department is out of his mind yep but maybe that's not the case because it's a big company so it must be that they believe in something that's coming i don't know there's no way that they could report these kinds of numbers without some sort of belief no. or information that we don't know. You just couldn't because they'd be misleading their shareholders. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. They, there's no way they could do this. Hey, maybe maybe it's the quality of life. <laughs> oh, please don't. I don't want to Maybe it's that. the sleep tracking device. Must be the sleep tracking device. Yeah, it's got to be, right? Sleep it's got to be the sleep tracking device. 
Mike, I believe we 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 both me and you we played quite a bit of mobile games mm-hmm. this week. Yep. Do you want to start by talking about Prune? Yeah, let's do that. So what what is Prune? What the, what does it come from? Because I I was one day on Twitter, everybody got went crazy about Prune. Well, I saw about it because The Verge wrote about it. Yeah. I don't know why The Verge picked it up or anything. I don't, I don't know why they did that, um, but they did. Uh, I don't know how it came to them. I'd never heard of it or seen it anywhere on any video game site or anything. But yeah. The Verge picked it up. Um, and it's it's basically a video game about bonsai trees and yes. trimming bonsai trees. Uh, effectively... All you're doing is you kind of plant a tree, you let it grow, and mm-hmm. then you trim it effectively to make it grow further so it reaches like sunlight. And when it reaches sunlight, the trees begin to flower. And once yeah. they flower enough, you've completed the level. But like there becomes additional complexity with like uh, different areas, and like there's like seems to be this like red sun thing that if you touch like kind of infects the tree yeah um <laughs> like the complexity ramps up uh in in a good way but it's a very interesting game because it's one of these it's one of these games that we've been talking about recently that is nothing like a video game really in and of itself yeah, oh i have more. to mention uh adina played her story oh she didn't like it no so there were two problems at factor here one uh, when she was playing it, we were sitting together and I kept hearing different clips and stuff and was like looking and she felt like pressure that I was oh. watching her. Rookie mistake, man. Yep. Which I didn't mean to do because uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't watching. Like we were both just sitting next to each other. She was playing it. And then I would hear a clip I hadn't heard before. But yeah, she, she was expecting it. She wanted to solve it. She wanted there to be an answer. She didn't like that there was no answer. Hmm. Which, looking through the app reviews like I did, that is a common complaint from people. Yeah, I guess some people really don't like endings open to interpretation. Makes yeah. sense. She wanted a, she wanted a, 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 a actual end. She wanted to know if she'd solved the case. Yeah, so. yeah. Always the case, also with TV shows. And serial. And serial. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's not talk about serial. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so what do you think of this? What do you think of Prune? It's very zen-like. I found very, it very calming. I mean, very calming. What, yes. All, what I was really, really love from this game that it doesn't have is just a trimming mode where I just make a tree grow. Like, like I would. Infinitely? Yeah. Or like you know, I can just you know the the whole mechanic of making the tree grow that kind of thing. I would just like to do that. Sometimes, because there are sometimes I play a level, and once I've completed the level, which you can do this, and I think it's there for for the for a reason, you can just continue to trim the tree and make I, it grow I as big as possible. This. Yeah, I I always do that. I try and get the tree as big as I can make it. But I would like just to be able to play that part because I also find it very calming. But because I find it very calming, I don't like when they add um, jeopardy into the game, like danger. Yeah, like you can fail. Yeah, because I yeah, that, that's where that the calming of... nature goes away. True, but it's not. There's no real pressure. No, there's. I not. mean, there's, there's no not. lives. There's no gems. There's no timer. Mm-hmm. You can just try again how many times you want. Yeah, but yes, I, mean, I understand. I, I understand. Yeah. 
But that my favorite part of the game is just that bit, so I would like to just be able to do more of that, I suppose. Yeah. My my favorite part is how you sometimes you gotta trim to grow more. It's kinda it makes you think of I gotta sacrifice yep. this branch to obtain the final goal. Yeah, which like is in, interesting. You have to get really precise and you have to make sure that you're cutting the right limb and not taking off like if it twists around itself, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the, the graphics and the sounds, they're really relaxing. It's really like I can, that kind of game, I can play whenever I want. There's no pressure. It's very, you know, it's a very calm game. Makes me like before bed or maybe um, yep. I got 20 minutes to, 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 to kill. I just play this game. I'm in World 3, I think. Okay. Third world. I don't know if it gets tougher. No idea. But one of my... It's doing well in the top charts. And it's one of my favorite releases on the App Store. Yeah, it's very Plus nice. Plus, it's a, it's a paid game. So there's no mm-hmm. free-to-play, which we're going to talk about in a minute. There's no free-to-play scammy stuff. It doesn't require an internet connection. Also, we're going to talk about this. Uh, very good game release. I saw, I discovered it because one of the Monument Valley guys tweeted about it, which makes sense because yep. there's a lot of similarities. Between it's in that and... kind of style, I guess. Yes, yes. Kind of artistic, relaxing indie game mm-hmm. for iOS. Which makes me wonder, I mean, can you... It's difficult to imagine this kind of game on on something like the DS, right? Because it's five bucks, you go there, you play for a couple of weeks, and you're done. Whereas even on the 3DS, even on the eShop, maybe it's just me, but these kind of indie games, even when they are on the Sony, on the Nintendo shops, they feel more like like long commitments. Like this sort of quick, short, takes a couple of weeks experience, I think it only makes sense on, on smartphones. Well, whilst I agree, I think the reason is that they just they come from different worlds. So, like, the Nintendo handheld platforms come from a world of this is how games are played. Like, it's been established that this is a games console for games which take time, right? Whilst the iPhone and the iPad and that kind of thing has definitely been established as a casual game platform so it's like this is a game that's quick and it's always been that way so i think we're used to seeing that kind of stuff because it's just the conventions of the platform yeah yeah it makes sense whereas on ios you can try all these different things Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree anyway the second game and this is where i get kind of upset angry birds 2 yeah came out yesterday yeah we both downloaded the game so it's the fifth game it's the 15th game. In no, the, I think it's the 13th. Uh, 13th world. Yeah. Okay. But it's the first official sequel. sequel. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's the same Angry Birds game. Uh, graphics look kind of better. I was hoping for more, but it's 2D graphics. They're colorful. There's some new animations. It looks nice. So I started playing yesterday. And I downloaded the game when I was home. Um, I I played like a couple of levels. Then I I had to go out. And 
So while I was waiting uh, in this place, there was no internet connection, and I wanted to play the game. So besides the fact that when you play the game, there clearly Robio has done has, has changed over the past few years. The game is full of kind of Facebook dialogues to log in to play with your friends. There's like indicators for gems and cards everywhere. The interface is really cluttered. There's a lot of stuff going on and it always asks you, always, after each level, to log in with your Facebook account. And there's no way to turn it off, I think. So I started playing and apparently the mechanic in this game is each time you you play a level, there's a destruction meter in the top right. And the more you destroy, so whether it's the structure of the level or the, the peaks and other objects, the more this meter fills. And if you manage to completely fill this progress bar, you collect gems. That's my understanding. It's very complex for me. If you run out of gems, uh, you cannot play the game anymore you gotta either wait or watch a video or buy gems so yesterday i was playing a level i failed and i didn't so i continued because i had some gems then i failed again and and i ran out of gems and i couldn't play anymore so i tapped continue but because i had no internet connection i couldn't do anything I needed to stop playing the game because any every time I tapped continue, it wouldn't do anything. It would give me an, an error message saying there's no internet connection. Yep. So it wouldn't let me just, I don't know, play another level to collect gems. It wouldn't let me buy gems without internet connection, which I understand, but it's just the, the way that it failed. It was really forcing me to log into, to have an internet connection to play the game. And I really don't like this. I mean, at least let me continue in a different way. Just don't block the interface in that way. And I have a screen, a couple of screenshots that I can send you later, Mike. Um, I was really upset. I really don't like this kind of social mechanic being forced onto me when I'm playing a game. And... But really, the reason why I get upset is sometimes I like this game because it's Angry Birds and because it's, you know, it's one of those those games. It's hard not to like it in some mechanics or in some, you know, in some levels. It's cute and it's fun and the birds and the pigs are funny. But it's just, it feels, it really feels like this is not like the original Angry Birds. The original Angry Birds came out in 2009 and it was a paid game, and you could tell that it that it was before all these extra stuff started kind of making these games worse, in that you need to log in with your Facebook account, you need to watch videos to unlock gems, or you can pay for gems, or you can play with your friends, you can share your progress. You, there's all these other extra features and craft, and... I just want to play the game, you know? I just want to sit there and play and I don't want all these extra dialogues and there's like, a, there's like a screen that comes up every time and it gives me a hint and I don't want hints. I don't want a tutorial every time I play. 
just remove all these other things from the interface, just let me see the game, and now there's all these other parts about collectibles and gems and collect cards to do more, it's just too much, you know, I feel like I'm playing the game, I'm all, I also need to constantly juggle all these other different elements of the game, and I feel like I'm not, I feel like I'm being punished sometimes. Because I have to do all of these things. And if this is what people get, you know, this is, if this is what people do to pray free to play games, I really, I really don't want to be one of those people. It's just too much. I just want to sit there, give me Prune, give me Monument Valley, give me a Nintendo game, but just don't pester me with all of these ads and dialogues and errors, you know? Maybe I'm too old. I mean, I'm 27, I'm not that old, but maybe I come from a different age and I really don't don't accept all of this. My fundamental issue with Angry Birds 2 is I like it. Yes. Like, that is my main problem with it because because I, I like I understand. it. I uh, understand. It's not... Right. So the difference between this and a game like Candy Crush or whatever is I can feel that a lot of work has been put in to make this a good game. The animations are brilliant. The new physics stuff is great. You can see how they... I mean, I can see why they called this Angry Birds 2, because all of the other Angry Birds games, whilst this has many of the same things to it, like, the fit and polish in the levels is much, much higher. Like, when you hit a stack of bricks or whatever, some of them fly at the screen. Like, yes. when you press the fast-forward button, it does that, like, animation of it making it look like it's fast-forwarding a VCR tape, which I like. Um, there are definite parts of this where it's, like, the makers, the, 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 the designers, the developers, they made the game that they wanted to make. But what happened was the business development team had to find ways to put in-app purchase in. And then they weighed it down. The game is slow to load because yeah. it's connecting to the internet all the time. Uh, there are problems here which you have out- outlined. And what happens is these games become too complex because you need like three different ways to get money out of people. Yeah. Um, so they put the hearts in, they put the gems in, and then they put these cards in, and they add all the Facebook stuff. And it's a real shame because this is really, really good. And I would happily pay £5 for this. Yeah. Exactly. Imagine this game, $5, just a game. It would be amazing. But they'll never do it. Yeah. And that's very sad. I mean, I wonder if Apple realizes this. They don't I wonder care. If Apple... No, they don't, they don't care. They don't care. Maybe they don't... And that's too bad, because games as an art form... Imagine how nice this game would be if Ollie was cleaner, you know? And with all of all of this stuff, without the slow internet connection, I wonder why Apple can't appreciate a, these types of games. You know, it's just be, maybe because of the money, because there's more money, because people are different from me and you. People put up with this sort of stuff, with Facebook logins with the cards and the hearts and the gems. People put up with it. There's money. There's money in these kind of games. Because you know what it, the thing is, right? If they put... This is the problem. They put this to £5, $5. Yeah. 
They wouldn't make hundreds of millions of dollars out of this. They wouldn't. But if they make it free, they could make over two months, they could make $50 out of someone. That's why they do it. The money is here, right? Because nobody knows better than Rovio at this point about how to make money on the App Store. Because unlike companies like Supercell like and, and, and like um, King, Rovio had an incredibly successful paid game. Probably the most successful outside of it Minecraft paid game. No, no, on the it's episode. even more successful than Minecraft. Right. So uh, they for knew more this. more weeks. They had this information, but yet they chose to go free-to-play because they've done some free-to-play experiments, but this is their most free-to-play e-game. So they know that this is where they're going to make their money. So the thing is, Rovio don't care because Rovio want the money, and Apple don't care because they don't fundamentally care about the gaming experience that people have. Whether it's good or bad, they don't have an opinion. Or if they do, I mean, I'm sure there are people that do, but they have no problem with this type of game existing. And they get 30% of hundreds of millions of dollars. This is the world that we're in for these types of games now. So we're just going to have to live with it. And just hope that more people make games like Prune and Monument Valley. This makes me so sad. I just want to go to the guy who's in charge, to the person who's in charge at Apple of the games division i just want to take this person by by the shoulders and say can't you see how nicer games are without in our purchases and all these other free-to-play stuff you know but who's can't to you say understand? it's wrong though like people like them federico whether they whether they actually like them or their brains tricking them they play them and they like them but it's objectively bad when oh, i know when you get an error for an internet connection, when you gotta wait or watch videos, it's it's a bad experience. And I feel like we need more tastemakers. I wouldn't say it's me, but sometimes stuff is bad, and it it's gotta be fixed. And you 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 can you can argue that there's money in this, okay, whatever. But if you care about the experience, let me ask you this: Microsoft. Is asking people to pay a fee each month if you want to remove ads from Solitaire on Windows 10. Why doesn't Apple do the same on OS 10? There's money in that. People do play the game on Windows. You don't do that because even if there's money, it's bad taste. Right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you do that for games on the App Store? Because you don't care. So fundamentally, there's a cultural problem. Because you can find other ways to make money. It's not the free-to-play came and now the world is going to be forever free-to-play. You can experiment. You can try different things. It's just that people have found this model to be working. There's a lot of money. And now it's okay to do this. And nobody cares about taste. Nobody cares about elegance in, in, in mobile games. Hey, but Federico, well, some people care. Don't forget. The fact that there are over a million and a half capable, beautiful, inspiring apps on the App Store and each and every one was reviewed and approved by a team mm-hmm. of real-life yeah, humans sure. with great taste and great suggestions and great ideas. Do you remember the sure. App Store review team that started making all the apps with their great taste? I hate yeah, this yeah. page. This is from that Why There's iPhone thing where Apple basically making it seem like that they make all the apps. Yeah. <laughs> but they have great yeah. taste, right? Apple thinks yeah, so. Great taste. Yeah, great taste. Look, I understand the argument for there's a lot of people with access to smartphones and tablets, and not everybody can pay for apps and games. And I totally understand that. And I'm not saying that in our in our kind of situation, we can 
pay for games, so everything needs to be paid. I totally understand why there's a need for free services supported by ads. I just wonder if Apple could do more to kind of help the ship go towards a different kind of, you know, different kind of taste, different kind of elegance. There's nothing elegant about watching a video or requiring an internet connection. The way that you do it is like the way that it started, the way that Apple positioned it was the game is free and you pay for levels. You pay for it. You pay to remove ads, right? Remove iAds. That's how this type of thing should be. As opposed to like, like oh, you can pay for help in a game. You can pay for power ups, but the idea of stopping someone playing—that is, is the much. fundamental issue. Exactly, is that you cannot play the game now until you give me eighty gems. Where do you get the gems? Give me twenty bucks. That's <laughs> the even, problem. Even if you make the argument that there's people in other parts of the world that are not Europe or the United States that cannot pay for content from the App Store. Again, I totally understand that. How can the same argument also be true if that person needs an internet connection to play a game? Right? Because if that person doesn't have the resources to to, to, to pay for each app and game from the App Store, then why should that person also consume their mobile data to play games? It just doesn't make sense, you know? It's too different kind of it's it's not the same argument and i feel like some of these game makers and even apple are using the free argument as an excuse for more money because you need, even if you consider the audience which is so different across the world it's not fair to ask people to consume the internet connection to play a game or to load the video how much how many megabytes does a video consume over time it's just i feel like there was a there was a fair model to do free to play and people have find a way to exploit it and this is just too much and it's it this is not great taste let's be fair let's not kid ourselves this is not great taste this is poor taste driven by greed, driven by millions of dollars, which I understand at a fundamental level, a lot of money is nice, right? And these are big companies with many employees and they have many salaries to account for at the end of each month. But from a gamer perspective, from a design perspective, this is not great taste. It's not great taste. This is is a joke. It's a joke, really. I mean, hearts, cards, videos, internet connection. The cards cards is something I can deal with, right? Because they're like power-ups, and I could see why you'd pay for them. Do you remember when they brought in that, like, eagle in the original one? You could pay if you were stuck on a level. I can get behind that, right? Because that is the difference between me trying hard over and over again or taking the easy way out. That's the type of stuff that I can accept. Like, make me pay to to take the easy way out. Like, to skip, to make the game easier. You know? I understand that. Yes, I I actually bought that myself. Yeah, I did it once or twice. Like, I can... And then you, like, you can never three-star the level, 
right? You can only have a two yep. star it. Like that was smart. Like that works for me. I don't feel bad doing like seeing that in there. But it's this, and you know, like all the other stuff. It's just for me. It's just the fundamental issue is is why is the game restricting my playtime? Like exactly. it's like an arcade, right? We're we're back in the arcade metaphor. metaphor. Like you've but game over, in, insert more quarters. At least in the arcade time, there was no, there was no ad, there was no advertisement by the side of the arcade requiring your attention. You didn't have to pay for an internet connection to watch a video. There was no, you know, all these other scammy things. Yeah. These are just give people a way to monetize free content. And this is what people do, the worst of it. And maybe it needs to get worse be- before it can get any better. And But if, if this is not the worst, I wonder what else could come in the future. And Mario again, doing it. Again. <laughs> it may as well be that there's people at Apple that care about taste there are. in games there as are. much as they care about tasting their own OSs. I I'm generally curious to to understand where they find tasting this in games like Angry Birds because you can tell that there's artists and game designers and developers who made the game a great game, and then there's all these other stuff on top of it that ruins the game effectively because if I cannot pay, play the game what kind of game is it? It's not a game it's a waiting session and if I wanted to wait I would have gone to my doctor's office I wouldn't be here and play Angry Birds you know mm-hmm. so I wonder what kind of level of taste they apply you know I don't know I, I'm just sad because there's a great game behind this. Yep. But then there's all this other stuff. And mm. it makes me just sad. Should we wrap it's up? Just... Should we just go cry into our iPhones for a while? No, no, I just go make lunch, whatever. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> if you want to catch our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash virtual slash 47. We're both on Twitter. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much to Igloo for sponsoring this week. And we're sorry for making you sad. Until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. <laughs>